Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Y'all doing all right today? Yeah, it's good to be in the house of God. Amen? Amen. So listen, if you are uh, visiting with us today or you're a longtime family member, as always, thank you so much for being here today. It's great to uh, see you. I, I have a really simple message I actually want to share this morning, and, uh, but sometimes I believe simple is good. So I would encourage you to open up your hearts and just say, Holy Ghost, talk to me. Amen. How many of you guys believe if you posture your heart correctly, he'll begin to speak? Amen. Amen. So let's pray and we'll hop right into the Word. So Father, thank you for just your presence and your anointing that's here today. Lord, we just simply make a decision at this moment to open up our hearts wide. In fact, Lord, we just give you the key to our hearts even now and just pray that you would unlock it and that you begin to speak as only you can speak. God, whatever you desire to deposit in our hearts in this moment, and Lord, whatever you want to take out in this moment, Lord, we just give you full permission to do so. And so, Lord, thank you just for coming and speaking loud and clear as you are uh, always capable of doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, as some of you guys know, Jennifer and I, uh, you know, we, we just spent seven days uh, backpacking in the backcountry of Wyoming uh, with 10 other people from the leadership team of Mountain Gateway Ministries. For those of you who uh, don't know, Mountain Gateway is a ministry that we actually support monthly uh, as a church, and it's actually led by Britt and Audrey Hancock. Uh, those guys, along with their team, they uh, recruit, train, place, and pastor uh, missionaries around the world with the with an emphasis in Mexico and Nicaragua. And, uh, you know, so not only do they uh, train American missionaries to go to the Ford mission field, but they've also done a really good job of training uh, indigenous people that are actually from those countries to pastor and lead the local uh, congregations that they've started. And so, you know, most of their uh, churches start because somebody gets healed, a miracle happens, and people get saved, and the church forms. And literally over the years, they've had uh, hundreds of churches that they've started uh, in those countries. Countries. And so uh, on top of that, they have recently connected with an uh, incredible orphanage that's in Mexico that's rescuing kids out of sex trafficking, kids that are from drug, you know, addicted parents. I mean, you go on down the line, I think there's like two million orphans in Mexico. And so anyway, so they uh, are connected with them and they also uh, own and run a coffee farm in Nicaragua. In my opinion, some of the best coffee I've ever had. So, uh, you know, unashamed uh, marketing there. Check it out. Okay. So after you come off an experience of being in the woods basically for seven days, uh, you, you know, based in the back country, uh, I, I tried to do my best to kind of reflect on, if God, is there anything that you want to show me? Is there anything that you want to reinforce in this moment that I need to grab a hold of? Because uh, as most of us know that have walked with God for a while, it's not unusual for God to uh, use our experiences in the natural to show us something that he's doing in the supernatural. And so I just simply tried to posture my heart in a position to receive. And I feel like there's a few things that God kind of highlighted to me, and I simply want to share them with you today because my hope is, is that they'll help you and that they'll encourage you as you are, uh, you know, on your journey with God. Once again, it doesn't matter if you've been on that journey for a week or if you've been on that journey for, I don't know, 50, 60 years. So let me begin by simply saying this. Another word for backcountry is the word wilderness. Can somebody say wilderness? wilderness. 
So uh, with that word in mind, have you ever noticed that when you walk with God long enough, you will find yourself in a spiritual wilderness from time to time? Can somebody wave at me and say, oh yeah, I know that's true. Yes. Listen, if you're here today and you don't know that, keep walking with God and you'll know that. Okay, because it will come truth. So, in fact, it's truth be known that if you set your heart to honor God, if you set your heart to do something great for God, uh, wilderness seasons are not only unavoidable, but they should be expected by us. In fact, throughout the Bible, we see uh, great men of God such as Joseph, uh, Moses, Elijah, David, John the Baptist, Paul, and even Jesus himself enduring uh, seasons of wilderness as they set out to uh, complete finish or fulfill the Father's purpose for their lives. And I just think this, that there's no doubt that just like those saints of old, there are certain God-ordained, don't miss that, God-ordained and God-orchestrated wildernesses in the life of every believer, and that includes you and that includes me. So here's the crazy part, though, is that as I say that, most of you guys are going, yeah, I know that. But, but isn't it funny that even though we know that spiritual uh, wildernesses are just kind of part of the gig, that when, when they show up, they actually surprise us? Like, we, we know they exist, we, you know, we think maybe it's for other people, but when they show up and knock on our front door, man, we act so surprised. And most times, it's not only do we act surprised, but we typically don't respond to them that well. We don't respond well spiritually, we don't respond well emotionally. Is If you know that's true, just say, oh yeah. So listen, in my opinion, one of the reasons why we don't do so well uh, when, when we find ourselves in the spiritual uh, wilderness is because most of the time we don't know why we are there. Like, and because we tend to not understand the why, especially as young Christians, it's easy for us to uh, believe some misconceptions about the wilderness. And if I can, I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to kind of give you some misconceptions or some wrong thinking or some wrong thoughts that people tend to think about when they are in a wilderness. And the first one is simply this, is that most of the time when people find themselves in a wilderness and it's like, uh, man, they just think God's forgotten them. Right. It's like they, they think God, you know, led him out in this wilderness and he just kind of dropped them off. It's kind of like he, he said, uh, hey, let's go hunt for snipe. <laughs> right? If you're not from the country, you probably don't get that. So, so he took him out there and they, they dropped him off. He just abandoned him because after all, it's like, man, God might as well be a million miles away. His presence is nowhere. It's like, you ever been there where you just pray and it feels like the words come out of your mouth, they just fall right to the ground, right? So a lot of times when people are in wilderness seasons, they even think this. They think, man, that God must have rejected me. That, that for some reason that this time he looked me over and he decided that, you know, I got too many issues. That, you know, I'm too defected. You know, I'm not really worth the trouble. So he just kind of tossed me aside and said, oh, whatever. Right? And then how many times have people said that literally that they found themselves uh, in a spot and they just say, man, that my sin this time is greater than last time. Right? Like we all blow in here, right? We, all might, we might as well get off our self-righteous high horse and just admit it, right? That we all blow it, right? But there's sometimes when we get in the wilderness, man, there's this evaluation. And sometimes we even hone in on this one thing. We think, man, God's got to be mad at me about that. And he's punishing me about that. And then I got to think that now, man, I, I got to live this way. And what happens is it begins to open up the door for shame and guilt and condemnation to come in our lives. And a lot of times it's in that spot we overstay our welcome in that wilderness. We drag it out intentionally. Well, not intentionally, but it's kind of like it becomes self-inflicted. I'll just say it that way. Then there's those people that think this, man, I'm in this wilderness because obviously I miss God somewhere. 
Right, like that at some point, I thought God said, go to that spot, and I went to that spot with gusto, and I got there, and then God wasn't there. That, that literally, I must have got my directions messed up, but I thought he said, go right, and I went right, but he went left. Right, and that now I think somehow I'm forced to live in this lonely spot, and for some reason, now I've got to spend years wandering aimlessly, and that's when the feelings of discouragement, depression, and frustration, it's real easy at that point for those things to overwhelm you. Is anybody hearing me today? And then there's those super spiritual, those I call super saved people. I like super saved people, right? They just say, man, they're in the wilderness, and automatically they say, man, this is of the devil. Right? That literally every bit of it's of the devil. He's persecuting me. Uh, you know, this is nothing but a bunch of trials and persecution. And what happens is, is if, is if that doesn't release at some point quickly, they begin to feel defeated and fearful, and they begin to feel like, man, let me just say it this way, they begin to wallow in self-pity. Lastly, and I'll be done, not forever, just on the spot, but, but it's simply this, that they think this, that, man, that God must be done with me. I cannot tell you how many people in 20-plus years of ministry that I've ran into, when people have hit a wilderness spot, they think God is done with them, that they think somehow that, man, God gave them a dream. He, he wagged their, you know, this purpose, this calling in front of their face just to tease them, and now he's taking it away from them, and now that they are just got to be settled with the fact that they'll never do anything great in the kingdom. And what happens is when they start to believe that lie, they lose their passion and they lose their purpose. So in short, what I'm trying to tell you today, gang, is simply this, is that it isn't uncommon when we find ourselves smack dab in the middle of a wilderness to feel like uh, we're not growing spiritually, but rather, you know, it's actually more than that, that we actually feel like we're going in the opposite direction. That it's like, man, God is going that way and I'm going that way. We're not even two ships passing on the night. We're not even on the same latitude. Listen, am I the only one that's ever been there? So here's what's crazy is... It took me a while, because sometimes I'm a slow learner, that, that it took me a while to realize that my thinking, because I thought many of those things, that man, my thinking is wrong. And, and I'll show you where the light came on. It was simply this, because I realized that there was one problem with my thinking, and it was Matthew 3, 16, 17, that kind of began to open my eyes. It says this, if you can look at it with me on the screen. It says, when he, talking about Jesus, had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him, and it was coming upon him. This says in verse 17, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son. Watch these next words, in whom I am well pleased. Somebody say, well pleased. So if we continue to read, just fast forward a few verses, we land on Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Notice what it says. The Father says he's well pleased. Fast forward a few verses. It says, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit. What Spirit? The Holy Spirit into what? Come on, talk to me, church. Into what? The wilderness. So I want us to think about something for a second, please. In light of what we just said, when Jesus entered into the wilderness, to think, really, did the Father abandon him? Did the Father forget him in the process? What's the answer, guys? Yes or no? No, he didn't. Did the Father reject Jesus? No. He just simply said, this is my beloved son. He just, in other words, in front of a multitude of people, claimed Jesus as his own. The Father literally identified himself with Jesus. Pretty profound moment, right? So, so listen, even maybe stop and ask yourselves, was Jesus being punished for some kind of sin? The answer is no, right? We know that the Bible tells us that he was in all points tempted as we are, yet without what? 
sin. So it couldn't have been a sin deal. So did Jesus somehow miss the Father's will? No, because the why the Bible also tells us that he uh, did everything, literally, that he didn't move, he didn't speak without hearing the Father's leading. When the Father said, say this, he said this. When the Father said, do this, he did that. So it couldn't be that he missed the will of God. Okay, so did the enemy lead Jesus in the wilderness? Obviously, the answer is no, once again, because we just read that the Holy Spirit led him there. And lastly, to even ask, was the Father done with Jesus? No. Because we know that that was actually his coronation moment, if you will, where he was actually just getting started in his earthly ministry. So what's the point? Why am I telling you all this? Is that if those things are true about Jesus, then why can't they be true about us also? So maybe when you and I find ourselves in a wilderness season, because if we're not in one currently, we're going to be in one at some point, that just maybe that we don't fall into the trap and start believing all those lies. Maybe we actually should begin to start believing what the Word of God actually says. Because the Bible says clearly that He views us as He sees Jesus. That He loves us with the same love that He loved Jesus. Is that true? It is true. If you don't know it's true, I'm telling you it's true. It's true, all right? So listen, so with that in mind, I want to encourage you today, if you are currently in a wilderness season, just a thought today, man, that God hasn't abandoned you, He hasn't forgotten you. In fact, there's this really cool verse that's in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. It says this, and it's talking about in context about the Israelites, but let's bring it into our world. We'll read it. It says this, verse 2, it says, And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 days. Years. Get that. God has led you all the way these 40 years. Where? In the wilderness. Now, what's the point I'm trying to make from this verse? It's simply this that when you begin to read uh, the Exodus, right, the book of Exodus, and you read about how when they left Egypt, man, how many of you guys know that they didn't leave Egypt in that perfect? Man, those guys were a hot mess. Right? And listen, they were so much a mess that what it should have taken them 11 days' journey, it took them 40 years because they were so doggone hard-headed. Right? And so think about it, that God literally, even in all their mess and their hard-headedness and stubbornness, God said he didn't leave them. So what makes us think that he's going to leave us? Right? Because how many of us grew up that, that we were taught that literally that when you blow it, then God's true. Right? So just even think about this. If you're in the wilderness today, man, just remind you that God has not rejected you. That he still views you as a son and daughter. That he still loves you with an unconditional love. In fact, I love what 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 says. It says that uh, God has lavished his love upon us. And it says, and we are the sons of God. That is who we are. I love that verse. So to even think today that if you can maybe shift your perspective, if you're in that spiritual dry season, if you're in that spiritual wilderness, that more than likely that you're there because you did something right, not because you did something wrong. Right? That to think today that may just maybe that the Lord is pleased with you. Right? Listen, I can't tell you how many times because, you know, for you guys that, that know me, man, I'm so hard on myself. Right, And I can beat myself up when I blow it. If I make a mistake, man, I can go in a hole really quick. And I can't tell you how many times I've had somebody come and pray with me. And in that moment, I just think God's going to rip me a new one, right? And they just simply say this. The Lord would say, he is pleased with you. <laughs> right? Because it's so often we believe the opposite. Yes? 
Maybe it's just me. So, so listen, to think that just, man, if you're in a wilderness season, that just maybe you're in the perfect will of God. And that just maybe that we can stop and understand that if we're in a wilderness season, that we can be guaranteed that God isn't through with us yet. So listen, the last time I checked that God's not still putting people in the wilderness season to change them if he's done with them. Y'all hear me today? All right, so please listen to this. Listen, over the years, I have slowly begun to realize that wilderness seasons were never meant to be viewed as a scary or as a negative thing. That believe it or not, that from God's seat, from God's perspective, he always views a wilderness season as a positive thing because he knows the potential outcome that can take place from willing to come in agreement with him. Is that true? Listen, if I can put it another way, that listen, that we could maybe just stop for a second and remember that just as the Holy Spirit intentionally led Jesus into the wilderness, he leads us there too with intentionality. That just maybe that if he led Jesus there with a purpose in mind, that he'll lead us there with a purpose as well. And so there's just this underlining idea when it comes to wilderness season, just life in general with God, that, that we need to trust that God knows where he's taking us. And that he knows what we need and who we need to be when we get there. And if we really believe that, what really happens is, is we begin to trust the process. Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy, but listen, how often do we not trust the process? How often do we try to shortchange it? How often do we try to run from it, avoid it? But if we really believe that God knows what he's doing, we say, Lord, my life's not my own. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll go through whatever you want me to go through. Yeah? I'll die a thousand deaths if need be. Because why? Because I trust the process. So let's do this really quick. Let's shift gears. And uh, because what I want to do today is I actually want to is I want to turn our attention to the why. Like why does God lead us into wilderness season? Like what's really his purpose? And what I want to do is I want to try somehow to connect our little small backcountry wilderness experience to a few things here and uh, whatever, just kind of prove some points, hopefully something, help something stick. So here's the first thing I realized coming out of the backcountry. His first purpose of leading us to wilderness is number one, it's because he wants to get us out of our comfort zone. Now, I say that a lot around here, and the reason I say a lot is because we like to be comfortable. Uh, years ago, we had somebody leave the church because it was too cold. We like our comfort, right? If the food comes to the table and we don't like what it's like, we send it back. I don't do that. I got whipped when I was a kid. <laughs> I just eat it. <laughs> so, so, but, but, so, all right, so to bring it in, so I just put it this way before I go off on a tangent here. Is, is how many of you guys know that when, this is what Jen and I just encountered, when you go from sleeping in your soft, nice bed, right, in your nice temperature-controlled house that has a, a kitchen and a stove and running water, and, and let's not forget that, man, that you got that God-ordained nice bathroom that has a shower in it, and bless God, the most anointed holy throne, it's got a toilet, Amen. Listen, I don't, y'all are laughing, but I don't know about you, but whatever man or woman that God spoke to to invent the toilet, they were anointed. All right, so listen, when you go from that to sleeping in a tent on uneven ground in a tight sleeping bag in cold temperatures with rocks and roots poking all in your back, uh, you, you know, li literally even to say this, man, that it was getting so cold that, I, you know, we're zipping our... Uh, our sleeping bags together, and I'm telling you, we were not spooning because it was romance in the air. We were spooning because I was freezing my rear end off, right? So I was so cold that, like, our sleeping bags have these little, 
uh, little foot boxes at the bottom, right? I'm trying to, I was uh, borrowing hers. Like I, I had every piece of clothing I had in my bag on and I was trying to get so close because I was literally shaking and freezing so bad. So anyways, so you're sitting there, you're sleeping and stuff's poking all in your back. We're on uneven ground. We had one night, Jen kept rolling over on me and it wasn't because of romance. I'm telling you, it was just because of, it was just because, man, there was a hill there and I kept falling off my pad. It was rough, right? So anyways, so, so you go from that and you wake up in the morning, you go cook and, uh, you know, basically over a fire that has it from a small uh, backpacking fuel stove. And, man, the flame kept going out because the wind was blowing. And uh, because, But at the same time, we couldn't eat until the water boiled because we had to go to the, the uh, river or we had to go to the lake to draw our water out And uh, because you got a bullet because if you drink it like that, obviously, as you guys know, you get sick. And, uh, you know, on top of that, everywhere we're walking, right, you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't move that fast. I'm used to driving a car. Now i got 40 pounds on my back, and I'm getting blisters on my feet. My feet are swelling. They're hurting. And, uh, you know, let's not forget that literally a week without a shower. Bless God. It was, it was something. And uh, li- listen, and let's not forget about the excitement that comes when you try to find a private place to dig a hole when nature calls. Right. So how many of you guys know that? Listen, out of uh, that's a lot harder than you think, by the way, when you're surrounded by that many people. But anyways, how many of you guys know that all of that change might be considered uh, stepping out of your comfort zone? Are you all with me? So, gang, listen, I'm here to tell you that when you find yourself in a spiritual wilderness, it shouldn't be a shock to you that things are uncomfortable. In fact, it's by God's design that things get uncomfortable. And the truth is, is uh, nothing comes easy in the wilderness. Right? It used to be easy to worship. Now it's difficult. It used to be easy to read the Bible. Now it's difficult. It used to be easy to go pray. Now it's difficult. Welcome to the wilderness. Right? Easy is gone. And so the key there is how quickly can you become comfortable with the uncomfortable? And I just believe how quickly you become comfortable with the uncomfortable will determine how successful you are in the spiritual wilderness. Amen? So all in all, listen, the main thing is I tried to, once again, try to reflect on being out there was simply this, is that uh, when I thought about the absence of my everyday comforts, it was this, is that if you want to write this down, it's pretty good, that God truly cares more about the development and the growth of my character, which is really the fruit of the Spirit, than He does my level of comfort. Right? I'll say it like we got it there, that God cares more about the growth of our character than he does our comfort. And I'll add something because we're Americans, that God cares more about our growth and development than he does our happiness. Listen, I've been serving God for a little over 20 years now and in ministry pretty much most of that time. And it's like it repeatedly increases, 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 increases how many people I see in the church that are making decisions based off of their happiness and not what the word of God says. Like God said, but that's fine. Yes, I made a covenant with that man. I made a covenant with that woman at the marriage altar. But God wants me to be happy. Right? Like how many people say that? I've struggled with homosexuality for years and years, but God wants me to be happy. It's okay if I go abort this baby because God wants me happy. Am I making sense to y'all? But what does the Bible say? (laughs) Yeah? Yeah? So listen, so once again, God cares more about our development, right, than he does our comfort. So the second thing is this, is why would God want to remove us from our comfort zones? In my opinion, it's because this, number two, 
is because he wants to show us that we are not as in control of our lives as we think we are. Y'all look at me, please. When we said, Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. Okay, yes, Lord and Savior. Most people just want to focus on Savior. But when they make him Lord, guess what that means? It means I handed over the keys. I made him Lord. He is now in charge. He is now in control, not this fella. Are y'all hearing me? So to stop for a minute, and once again, it doesn't matter where you've been and how long you've been with Jesus. If you really said, God, my life is yours, what did that really mean to you? What did it mean? How many of you guys know when you're out in the backcountry, you're in the wilderness, man, that the terrain that on that trail that keeps descending and ascending hundreds of feet, right? Literally, and, and you go and we're climbing that many thousands of feet today. Now, how many of you guys know that that ground doesn't ask for your permission, right? That, that literally the weather doesn't ask for your permission. That literally we're out there, and guess what? It's like in one moment, uh, the skies are just blue, not a cloud in the sky, because uh, we're, we're like, I don't know, like 10,000 feet up at that point, and, and, and literally it's like, man, we're just getting sunburned. We're all putting you know, sunscreen on, trying not to get cooked, and then literally it's like in a moment, here's this storm that blows over the mountain, and we're all pulling out our rain gear because we're getting soaked, and then that thing lasts 30 minutes. Now we're pulling back off because we're hot again and then you know that keeps repeatedly happening and then there was this awesome day we walked up this incredibly beautifully I mean just absolute beautiful gorge and we're walking up and the wind is just like it literally is gusting and I've been and Tommy and I've been there where we stood outside when a hurricane's coming through and it was like that like it was like 30 40 mile an hour gust winds that were just cruising and if you didn't have your feet right it was like it was going to knock you on your rear end Right. And uh, what's so crazy is, is we we basically hiked in that for a day and then we finally set up our tent It's a hard thing to do to set up a tent when the wind's blowing 40 miles an hour, by the way. And so you set up your tent and you're laying in it. And it was so funny in the middle of the night. I don't know how many times the wind would gust and the tent would just lay down on top of me. Pretty awesome. Good night's sleep. So let me just say it this way. And, and uh, if I could just kind of add that on top of all that, it was so funny because we were thrown into a spot where we were expected to depend on and follow people that we weren't accustomed to. That we were being told what to do. We were being told, uh, you know, what to eat, when to eat. We were talked about how far we're going to walk, what time we're going to go sleep, what time we're going to wake up. And let's not forget that everywhere I went that they, they made us mandatory. You got to carry bear spray with you because you're no longer on top of the food chain. That's fun, fun. So I'll just say this to you. Listen, that adds a certain bit of excitement to your life when you got to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. <laughs> right? You got all kinds of thoughts rolling through your head, heads on a swivel, and because there's just this thought. If that if Smokey comes out those woods right there, it's gonna be a little hard to run with my pants around my ankle, right? <laughs> yes? Anyways, whatever. So I say all that to simply say this. How many of you guys know that, man, all those things have a great ability to show you that you are not as in control of your life as you think you are? There was nothing there we could control. Yes? So, so listen, please don't misunderstand me this morning. I'm definitely not complaining. I'm just trying to explain for a point I'm trying to make. Uh, just, just simply this, because I had a blast. I'd go tomorrow again. But, but the reality is this. Is, is here's where I want to land on this, because I'm just trying to prove some points to get us to think. I want us to be honest with ourselves for a moment. 
How much do we think we hinder ourselves from growing in our faith and from encountering God in supernatural ways because we are constantly trying to control every piece of our lives? May think about that for a minute. Listen, I don't care if you're here today. Once again, you've been if you got saved in worship today, okay, or if you or if you've been walking with God for sixty years. I promise you, somewhere in your life, you're you're a control freak, and you're trying to control something in your life. And what happens is, is when we try to control God so much in the areas, what we're saying is, is Holy Spirit, I don't need you there, and we're saying Holy Spirit, you're not welcome there. Come on, smile at me, folks. There's truth to that, isn't there? And guess what? We all do it. So the question I have today is just simply this. And man, as I would encourage all of us to go, Holy Spirit, show me where I'm not allowing you to have control in my life. Where have I uh, allowed a doctrine that I believe to control something in my life because I'm afraid to let it go? Because why? Because that means I have to lose control. So listen, as I've thought about those two things, and we'll get done here quickly, is that this, is I couldn't help but to wonder about how uh, all the amazing things that God could actually do in our life if we were willing to step out of our comfort zones and release control of our lives. Like literally, like how incredible would it be that in the midst of our lack of comfort and our lack of control, like what kind of life change, what kind of perspective, what kind of clarity could God bring into our lives if we were willing to bring just those simple two areas under his control and in the rightful place. So listen, in all reality, here's, once again, I'm going to give you five quick points here. Uh, I, just jot this down if you can, if you're taking notes. Uh, I would encourage you always to take notes in church. But, but it's simply this. If you could maybe uh, go read Exodus 3 and read Acts 7. Exodus 3 and Acts 7, the pieces about Moses. And, and what happens is if you read this, you'll find every one of these pieces that happened when Moses was in his wilderness experience. So here we go. Let's write these down. I believe the wilderness has a, a rare ability to, number one, to reveal who we really are. To reveal who we really are. Look, I'll be honest with you guys. I've been a leader for a long time, okay? And, and going from normally, like, like I'm, I'm the pastor of the church, to getting thrown out there in the woods with some guys who are wilderness experts, right, that, that they're certified trainers in, in outdoor stuff. And I went from top to bottom really quick. And everybody's telling me what to do. I promise you it revealed some stuff I didn't like about me. I didn't tell them that. I just knew that myself. <laughs> but right, like, like it reveals stuff. It was like, oh, maybe I need to work with some authority stuff here. Y'all follow me? So, so listen, there's just something about, man, when, when things get uncomfortable, right? When it gets too hot, when you get tired, when you haven't had enough sleep, when you're hangry, right? That, man, that there's just stuff that comes up that, that you don't like. And here's what's so funny is so often when those things come up, we make excuses and blame it on that and that, on our circumstance. But in all reality, our circumstances are simply revealing what we're made of. Is revealing what's in us, right? So the second thing here is simply this, is that the wilderness has a rare ability to remove what stands between us and him, us and God. Now, there's this cool part. If you read, if you read Exodus 3 and you read Acts 6, 
you'll find that, that Moses has this burning bush experience, right? And, and when, he's, when he says, the Bible says, when he turns aside, he begins to walk towards this burning bush that, that God began to speak out of the bush. And what did God say? He said, Moses, take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. What was God saying there? He was saying simply this, is that there's something between me and you that's man-made that needs to be removed so you can really be in connection with me. And so listen, there's every person in this room today, and this isn't from a judgmental standpoint, it's just knowing people, knowing myself, we all have sandals we wear, right? We all have things that stand between us and God that God's saying, look, you need to take that off so you can actually stand and live and walk with me in holy ground, right? So what is that thing? It could be a, a pattern of thinking, it could be a behavior, it could be a pet sin, it could be, it could be, a, it could be a hobby, it could be whatever it is, it could be a work ethic that's unhealthy, whatever it is, what's standing in between you and God, Is that true or not true? The third thing is simply this, is that, man, is that it's in that moment in the wilderness, man, and there's just this rare ability that God has the ability to show us who he really is. What he, let me say it this way, of who he wants to be to us and who he wants to be in us. Because here's what I encountered. Listen, we, we popped in there on the third day. They said, okay, go, hey, go. We're going to spend three hours with God today. Cool. All right. So wake up, 6 o'clock, at 9 o'clock we'll eat breakfast, we'll have our first class. So I go and I, and I find a piece of grass and I'm sitting in it, and I'm sitting there and it's quiet. I don't have any kids yanking on me, hollering in my face, climbing on me, fighting in the background, right? I don't have anybody from the church calling me with their issues, right? I don't have anyone wanting to meet, tell me their latest revelation. Like, all that's cool, right? I'm not dogging that, but I'm just trying to tell you that's real life, Right? So I don't have a sermon to prepare. I, don't, I, I just, I mean, it was just me and Jesus. And I'm sitting there, and I'm just, literally, it's, there's a trail, there's a lake, and then there's this massive mountain. And what happened in that moment, I would love to tell you that God spoke a thousand things. He spoke one thing, but I think overall it was simply this, as I was blown away by the majesty of God. Like, wow, you created all of this. Like, it's so beautiful, and I get to be a part of it, just to see it, right? And so the cool part is, once again, is that if you read the story of Moses, he has this encounter in the wilderness, and what does God say? He simply says, I am the God of your father Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He began to reveal who he is. Same thing will happen to us. The next thing, number four, is that he will begin to unveil our true identity. Number five, and he brings clarity to our calling. In other words, when we read that story, we find out that, guess what? That he said, Moses, I have seen their tears, I've heard their cries, and now I've come down to send you. In other words, here's your identity. You're the deliverer. Here's your calling. You're the deliverer. Your assignment is to lead my people out of Egypt into a promised land. Listen, if we get quiet before the Lord, if we're willing to embrace the wilderness season, those things will happen to us as well. So, li listen, let me just say this because I feel this. Um, do yourself a favor. Don't let all this go, yeah, okay, whatever. Don't do that. Believe the word of God to be true. And believe that God will do it for you. Amen? So, here's the point I want to make and we'll get out of here. Is when we stop and we go back and look at Moses, okay? Um, I think it's pretty neat that when you read the story, you find that Moses realizes that he's called. Okay? This is, why, this is why it doesn't matter the calling and the anointing in your life. In other words, that doesn't change you. The wilderness does. If I can say it the way, the calling and the anointing doesn't change you. Okay? 
the wilderness and God breaking you is what changes you. That makes sense? All right. So um, that's why there's tons of gifted people that lack character. Okay? So, so there's this cool part that here's Moses. He is in uh, basically living in his plush, nice palace, right? He's a uh, son of Pharaoh and uh, Pharaoh's daughter, and he is comfortable. And he realizes that there's a call on his life to deliver his people the Hebrews, and what happens, he goes out one day, and he actually starts taking notice, and he sees an Egyptian slave master uh, basically whipping and beating a Hebrew, uh, basically, man, and he got ticked off, and he knew, man, I'm called to be the deliverer, and what did he do? He stepped out, and the Bible says that he killed the guy, right? He killed him, and then, uh, you know, what happens is the next day, he goes out again. I don't know if he's thinking he's going to deliver somebody else. But, but he sees uh, two Hebrew guys, and they're fussing and fighting, right? They're like in a fist fight. And he stops, and he breaks them up. And the guy that started the fight said, uh, basically, what are you going to do? Are you going to kill me like you killed that, Egypt, uh, that Egyptian yesterday? And when Moses heard that, he freaked out because he said, oh, my gosh, more people know. People know what I did yesterday, and so we know he ran. And where did he run to? The wilderness. And it was God-ordained, <laughs> Right? Because if, if you look at Acts 7, it simply says it says that he was an eloquent man, great in speech. But if you go back and you look at Exodus 3, you find that he stuttered. He was a broken man, right? Like he went through the wilderness and God began to reveal stuff about him and all these things we just talked about. He was broken. And when he got broken, right, and he left the wilderness when God told him to leave, not prematurely, but when he was prepared and ready to go, guess what? He went out with power because God was with him, right? And he goes there, and what happens? He stands boldly now, not, not hiding, trying to pull little tricks, but he stands boldly and begins to declare the truth of God to Pharaoh. Stands up, right? Courage. And then what happens is we know they finally leave, and we know, obviously, all the plagues, and then they get to the, uh, the Red Sea, and they're stuck there, and he's freaking out. And God tells him, basically, put his staff in the water, and they go through the water, and they get to the other side. And what happens? The Egyptian army runs down into the ocean. They're chasing him. They're trying to kill him. And God goes, whoop, and he releases it. And a whole Egyptian army is floating in the ocean, dead. Here's my point. When it was, he was doing things his way, right, before the wilderness, he delivered one person or killed one person. When he did it God's way, a whole Egyptian army was destroyed. If we could understand that there's a deep truth in this, that man, instead of running from the wilderness, instead of trying to avoid the wilderness, acting like we can uh, you know, grow and mature and get all the things that we could get in another way, it doesn't happen another way. Instead of trying to find another way, instead of trying to do it our own way, why not embrace God's way, learn God's way, and step out and watch the great things that he'll do through you? Amen? Amen. There's a verse I simply want to pray over us today. It says this in Job 23. Look, I go forward, but he is not there. And backwards, but I cannot perceive him. And when he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him. And when he turns to the right hand, I cannot see him. Is that not a pretty good description of what's happening in the wilderness? Like, God, what in the world are you even doing? Like, why am I here? All these things. But, but here's the thing I want to pray over us today. It says, but he knows the way that I take. In other words, he's watching me. He's got his eye on me the entire time. And it says, when he has tested me, because that's really what happens in the desert, in the wilderness, he tests you. And then it simply says this, after that's done, I shall come forth as gold. 
That's good news. Yes, that's really good news, that God is trying to help us to come out as gold. Amen? Let me pray, please. Or I'm going to keep preaching. <laughs> Father, thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for every person that's here. And uh, Lord, I, my prayer, God, for all of us today is that we would simply just settle in our hearts that it's okay to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And God, that it's okay to be out of control. And so, Lord, I simply just ask, God, that you would just, by the Holy Spirit, begin to move in people's hearts today. And that you begin to show and reveal the spots where we are trying to hold on our best to be comfortable and to be in control. Like, God, what areas do you want us to release to you today? What areas do you want us to surrender in today so that you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, can move in our hearts and our lives like only you can? Because, Lord, I believe collectively today, God, that none of us say, none of us are saying, Lord, that we want to do it in our own way. That none of us here are saying today we want to do it in our own strength. Because, Lord, we've seen in our own lives what our own strength can accomplish. And it's not that much. And so, Lord, we just desperately need you. And so, Lord, would you come and when it's your season, help us to embrace the wilderness with a right heart and a right mindset, not getting caught up in the lies of the enemy and condemnation. But, Lord, help us to open up our hearts, God, and to go through it in your way so we can learn your way. So, Lord, I simply just bless your people today, God, to just embrace the season they're in and, uh, Lord, to enjoy, enjoy the journey with you to not pursue happiness, but to pursue joy with you. And so, Lord, I thank you, God, for just open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts. God, to just know what you're doing. Bring that perspective and that clarity, God. Hmm. Lord, I simply ask, God, that you would help us in this room to stop comparing our current season with past seasons. Because, Lord, that's going to keep us from moving forward. So, Father, thank you for just solidifying today in our hearts. And, Lord, I uh, lastly ask, God, if there's any person in this room today that doesn't know you, if they're far off distance from you, God, if they've never uh, surrendered the ultimate control, which is their life and their salvation to you, Lord, I pray that they would simply do that today. So, man, listen, if that's you, I just simply would encourage you today. Just simply say, Jesus, save me. I give you control of my life. Help me to live for you. And it's in those simple uh, prayer and the simple heart, uh, God will come and he'll forgive your sins and rescue you and give you a new life. So, Lord, thank you today for doing only what you can do in our lives. Jesus, we love you so much. Help us to honor you with everything we do and everything we say. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.